Welcome to the Master Slave Lifestyle Podcast. Here we'll interview real people living the real Master Slave lifestyle, all consensual and all in different ways. And in this episode... Originally, what attracted me was its desire to be degraded and treated less than a human being. I think that a master has to be capable of flowing. When I first had sex with him, yes, I knew that then that I owned him, that I dominated him, and that he belonged to me. This is MasterSlaveLifestyle.com. Hello, everyone. So I'd like to introduce Master Jim from Navasota, Texas. I originally met Master Jim through the website of Master Slave Lifestyle. And as I understood his story and his story of owning a 24-7 total power exchange slave for three years, I asked if he would be willing to share his story with all of you. And he very gracefully said yes. So Master Jim, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Could I ask you to introduce yourself? Yes. Uh, my name is Jim Schwab. I am from Navasota, Texas. Um, I'm part owner in a gay campground there. And uh, I'm 59 years old now. Um, polar bear, hairy chested, male. That's it. Very dominant. Um, that's it. Thank you. And um, so as we started to talk, you told me that you had a slave for three years. So if we go back in time a bit, can you tell me how you originally started to search for a slave? What was, what was the initiation or the trigger for you? Well, um, I think it started really with the, the idea of polyamory. <clears throat> I realized that I didn't want to just confine my desires and games and stuff to just one person. So, or, or just one relationship. So it started along that line. And then eventually I found my first slave on Growler. And uh, we talked for quite a while before anything ever got started. But um, I was intrigued and interested by what he said he needed and, and the thoughts about whether or not I could deliver that on my end and how that would turn out. So you weren't actually originally looking for a slave before. It was more a polyamorous relationship. Right. It was more a polyamorous relationship. And, and uh, yeah, I had uh, my husband at the time and another boyfriend. And so we were already exploring polyamory and everything when I got my first slave. Yeah. Right. So, and, <clears throat> and then so you came across this slave's profile on Growler. What what attracted you to to him or to it? Originally, what attracted me was its desire to be degraded and treated less than a human being. And I was trying to understand that, to understand the dominant desires I had in myself. And neither one of my husbands have ever felt the need or wanted to be treated in that manner. And, and I've never felt the need to treat them in that manner. So there's a clear delineation for me of how I would treat my husband and how I would treat a slave. And I realized that the slave provided an outlet for me for my aggressive dominant behavior. And I wanted to share that with someone and the slave was it. So, so were you aware of like masters and slaves and the fetish scene in general before you were coming across this person's profile or, or was this, the thing that really got you more interested into this part of the gay scene. Yeah, this is the thing that really got me more interested in it. Uh, I was very much a novice. I still today consider myself very uh, only slightly trained um, after taking your course a little bit more trained now. But um, that's what got me started. And, and it's about the human behavior for me. It was about trying to understand why somebody, I don't see myself ever being submissive. Uh, and it's a natural thing for me. So I could was trying to understand why somebody or how somebody could be submissive in their life. And then I started learning about the total power exchange and how somebody could give their life over to somebody else. And at that point in time, I still had no idea that when people said, I will give you my life, they really actually meant their life, you know, and, and I do still understand that some masters take that extremely serious, you know, so it's very intriguing. So, so how long were you talking to this slave for? Um, I think we talked about a year and a half before. And I went through a mountain of work to convince. 
at that time I, I had uh, <clears throat> one husband, one partner, or one business partner. So I went through and convinced both of them that having the slave in addition to our business would mean I could train it in the business and helping there and household stuff. The sex games and all that stuff were only for me. So, you know, I didn't have to share that part of him. And uh, so I think we spoke about a year and a half before we uh, both agreed that he should come over and do a tryout for three months. And, you know, so that's what we did. Were there, as you were talking to the slave, any particular trigger points that stand out? So, like, when you went from curiosity to, I think I might want this, and then I think I want you to, why don't you come over? Were there any kind of particular points you kind of remember that that made you kind of change your thinking to go a bit deeper? I think, really, if you if I think back about it, um, I was very apprehensive about the whole thing in the beginning. I was not sure. You're never sure in life where something is going. If it feels right, that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so the slave really, really convinced me that that this was his whole desire. Because it came from outside the country, so his whole desire was to always come to America. Um, I didn't even at that time think about whether or not <clears throat> I was his vehicle to come here or if I was really ultimately to be his master. So there were so many small errors I made at the very beginning and everything, but it still led me down this very wonderful path that opened up all of this stuff that I've discovered about myself and about my ability to be aggressive, dominant, mean, commanding, controlling, uh, and still want to share, you know, empathy and sympathy with somebody else and care for them. So there was a whole multitude of things that opened up to me. Um, I think when I finally picked him up at the airport was I still didn't even at that time realize that that's what I wanted. You know, wasn't until I possessed him physically that I knew that that's what I wanted. So, so, so it was, so it was a trial as much for you as it was for him. To it really was, go. it was, you know, so many things you find out, we all know about uh, recon and places like that and everything. There's so many things you see in a, in a person's picture, but some of those pictures, you know, you get the whole thing on the dating sites, you get a picture that's 20 years old when you meet somebody. So when I met the slave, I really had no idea what to expect. I actually knew more about him mentally and his thought process than I did. And I'd seen pictures of him, you know, so um, I saw this really quite large young man get off the plane. And I thought, okay, well, this is bigger than I thought, but we can work with this. And so, um, you know, I think that a master has to be capable of flowing, you know, capable of, of changing, fitting the needs of the person that they're with, whether it's a master or, or I mean, a submissive or you know, partner, whatever. So I had no idea until I met him what I really wanted. <clears throat> and was there a particular point when you first had him or um, that, that you said it was like, yeah, this is for me? Um, well, I don't want to be crude or anything, but when I first had sex with him, yes, I knew that then that I owned him, that I dominated him, and that he belonged to me. And I think that was very... Yeah, just uh, like cutting a piece of wood. You cut it off and it's yours. You got it. It's, it's it. I knew when I had him that he was mine. Wow. And uh, how did that feel inside? I mean, did it give you energy? Was there other emotions? What was what was that sort of feeling you had at that point? Yeah. Um, I won't say that there was a feeling of power or anything like that, because I don't think I immediately recognized that. But I had just taken this young man down to a bench and had everything I wanted from him and realized that I could do that as much as I want whenever I wanted and he couldn't stop me. And that was our agreement ultimately. You know, we had we did sit down, lay out some rules before he ever came about what the, those things that we would not touch on, uh hard limits. And uh but other than that, there was nothing nothing he could do about anything. He had flown over here at my request I, I took care of the ticket and all that. So it was a feeling of power and control. Yeah, total. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, I'd like to go back to something else you said. So um, one of the, one of the things that made you um, invite the slave over to you was that you understood that he really desired it. Was there anything particular in how in what he said or in how he acted that made you realize that? Well, I think that I did put several things together in that thought. Um, when he kept saying that he really desired it, he really desired to have somebody control his life, you know. So um, through discussing discussions and talking with him and everything, I ultimately came to realize he was 28 years old when he came to me and he'd never had a job. So, and he still lived with his mother. So the whole crux of that is that if you're 28 and you don't have a job or you have done nothing for gainful employment, you drop out of university or whatever, it doesn't sound to me as if you have much drive. And it sounds to me that you're going to be better off with somebody driving your life for you. So his main goal was at that time, he wanted to be an American citizen. He wanted to come to America. He'd always wanted to come to America. So that factored into, I can provide you with the ability to come to America. I can help you do all this and everything. But in turn, I now own you. And so it's a very powerful thing to think slave, slavery's gone in the real world, but not in our world, right? In our world, if somebody says, I want to be your slave, you had better be serious if you want to take that on, because I think it's a very big, profound thing that you've said. And if you have that slave heart, which I now understand, um, then you can fit that need, you know? And if you find the right master, you can get what you want. And I think that's what he was after. You just mentioned the slave heart there. How how would you describe the slave heart to someone that's never experienced it? You come across so many young, I was just, just about to say young men, but it's not just young men. You come across so many men on the sites and stuff like that that say they want this and they want that. And then they spend time explain to you, I don't want this, but I want that and everything. Then you come across the one or two that I, I first noticed maybe a year or two ago that said, come and kidnap me, take me, put me in a cage. I read a fantastic profile of a guy that, um, you know, leave all the stuff in a cage and I'll lock myself in. You pick me up and take me where you want. For somebody to have that kind of faith today in this day and time in another human being, being able to foster their lives, take care of them, drive it for them, take care of their health, and make sure that they're healthy and can meet that master's needs. That's a very important thing. So I think that for somebody to say, oh, I've always known that's what I want to be, well, what does that mean? It's not the same thing as saying, I, I see myself for the rest of my life at your feet, or walking behind you, or bathing you, doing your laundry, you know, having sex with you, whatever, you know, those people that have that slave heart don't have that inhibition that says, what do you mean by that? What What's going to happen? All they have is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Help me get there. As you were speaking then, uh, the way I sort of simplified it in my mind, it's almost like a state of being. Yes, very much. I think, yeah, very much. Thank you. Mm. So um, the slave has now moved in with you. Do you want to talk a bit about what the first days and weeks were like for you? What were the kind of things that you discovered, mm. learnt? I think that, uh, yeah. Well, let's see. It was new, very new. Um the slave had his own room, but he slept at the foot of my bed. Um, I enjoyed him being naked. Um, boy, what can I say? I taught him how to take care of my home. I taught him how to help in my business. I taught him how to suck my dick. I taught him how to do whatever I wanted him to do in the manner I wanted him to do it. But I also taught him how to care for himself, how to put his needs as important. because. I think it's unrealistic for a master to come along and believe that the slave's needs are not as important as his because it, it's a total power exchange. 
He's giving you control of his life because he trusts you to take care of that life. And so um, I saw to the slave's medical needs, his dental needs and everything, not just to prove to him that we, we or I cared about him, but to prove to him that his needs were as important as mine. And in return, I taught him, you know, that my needs were what he needed to meet first. So the first days and stuff were, they were haphazard and bumpy and, you know, he didn't know his way around, but he did know enough to start understanding what his position was. And as I continued to reinforce that, you know, he didn't eat with me. He ate at his own table, he had his own food dish, he had his own silverware, you know, <clears throat> those were the very first weeks and months. Were there any kind of interesting learnings that you had at that point or any kind of transformational moments where you just had an, like an ah moment, you know, that something happened that, that, okay, now I get this or something. Well, I was very intrigued by the fact that when he said he loved to play with the dogs when he was a kid, that he, he thought of himself that way. I don't think I, I really understood the depth of what that meant for him, but, but, um, I was just trying to think of a particular situation that if I got upset with him for something and I refused to let him drink my piss, that was punishment. That was his understanding of complete punishment. That was his understanding of shame because he couldn't be there to service my needs, no matter what had happened. It was his expectation that that was his right. And that's ultimately the way he felt. So I think I was really struck with the depth at, you know, um, understanding that if he if if I wanted to feed him out of a dog dish, he was completely in heaven with that, you know. And if I wanted to, you know, piss in his food, that was his total glory in enjoying that. So I was struck as how really submissive and deep that is, you know. So. Strange. I can really em, em, I can really emphasize with that as well. Uh, that <laughs> kind of just it, you just it, it's just like the perfect point. You're you're suddenly in as a slave. Yeah, I mean, we had gone from you know, I as you know, I have an RV park, and so at the point in time when he first came over here, we weren't that busy. I, I would spend take for instance, I spent one whole day. And he worked with me in the park. And every time I, I had to take a piss, I made him lay down and, and pissed on it. Until at the end of the day, when my husband got home, he said, oh, my God, he fucking stinks. And I said, oh, no, it's good. <laughs> so, but I didn't realize at the time, I don't think, that the boy's dick was probably hard the complete time because he was my total focus for that game. And he loved it. Yeah. Were there any aspects that you struggled with at first? That I what now? Struggled, struggled with? Oh, yeah. I really, boy, I made him pancakes one morning and then, and, and he was about to eat them. And I went by and said, wait a minute, I'm not done with them. And I pissed on him. And I thought, I, I just, I pushed myself to do that. I pushed myself to do that. But I know it's not just about water sports, but for me, that's a big thing for him. It obviously was. And, uh, so I struggled with a couple of times making him do stuff that, uh, like my first thought when I first met him is I would never feed somebody out of a dog dish. It's just not. It's just not it. But, but slave wanted to have his food in a dog dish, and I'm just a master. Who am I to argue with what fate is? You know, I mean, so. You know, I remember one morning because I have a pillow in my office that's still here that he used to sit on every morning when I did my work and he had quiet time with me and um, you, you find out so many things about what you want. I think that's the whole idea of the slave master relations or master slave relationship is that if you're aware that there's stuff to be found out, if you're aware that you're going to learn something about yourself, then it's a wonderful ride and trip. If you just pay attention and try to do everything that you can. So so, so what I'm hearing here is that it's quite an, an exploration or discovery for, for the master as well. I believe yes. so, yes. 
<clears throat> nobody's born into unless you, you the exception would be the slave heart um if i look back at my history through life and i'm 59 every job i've ever had or anything i've ever done even if i've started at the lowest possible position i've always gone straight to the top and i haven't always focused on doing that so it's either my mind and my body know that that's where i feel i need to be you know and so that's why I know I'm not submissive, but to to honestly match somebody, I think, of how I feel about myself to somebody how a slave was, um, and then give yourself the open-mindedness to explore what you can find out. I mean, it was absolutely amazing, the stuff I learned. What were the, some of the biggest things you learned that you'd like to share with the audience? Um well, I'm still learning patience, so <laughs> that's totally it. But, but patience is a big one. Uh, to, you know, boy, when we first started this thing, I was so confused on what a master is. You know, I, I thought to myself, oh, well, I can't do some of the stuff I'd like to do. And then I, I recently found out from another guy who says he's a master that there's so many things that you can do, you make your own way. And I think you and I had actually discussed this or talked about this one time. So I enjoy oral sex, but I enjoy giving it as much as I enjoy getting it. And the problem with, and I really believe this or not, I said to my father one time, he said, I can't believe you're gay. He said, you like sucking dick. And I said, well, the problem is not that, it's that I know how to do it better than any woman does. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm convinced that if you have a slave that's never done it, right, they can't do it the proper way. So I was blessed, and I say blessed with a, with a slave that had never done some of that stuff that I know of before me. He'd never had oral sex, you know, with his cock. And so um, I tied him down to the table one day and use some electrical toys and stuff to stimulate him and play games with him. But it wasn't just to suck his dick. It was to find out what his interests were, what, what you know, involved him. And I, I swear that maybe the, the weeks or months following that, there was a whole different side of him that I started to see come out. There's this sexual side of him that I don't think he realized he could be sexual while he was a slave. Yeah, I think that I learned a lot about that too. I learned that there's no mold. Um we're not we're not cast to any one particular position. It's just what you feel right about. And if you're open minded and willing to learn, you can find out a world of stuff about yourself, you know. One of the things you said earlier was um a master needs to understand the slave's needs. So you just mentioned this a little bit from the sexual side, but how did you go about discovering some of the other needs that the slave had? Did did he tell you, or did you have to sort of figure some of them out because the slave didn't know either? Right. I think that over the course of the three-plus years that we were together, um, I ultimately learned a lot I think to have a healthy relationship, you have to know quite a bit about yourself. If you go into a relationship, and, and that's what a master-slave relationship is, still a relationship. So <clears throat> with him having said to me that um, his father had passed and his father never knew he was gay and told me that he used to play with dogs when he was kids because he had nobody else and all this stuff, I quickly realized that he had a very low self-image. And so I immediately went to work on his self-image because no matter what you fancy yourself, you can be the, the best trash man in the world. It doesn't really matter if you're a trash man. It matters that you do it with pride. So the same thing for a slave, right? If you want to get down in front of your master and kneel down before him and say it, you want to have a, a certain amount of pride. If you're just doing it because you've been forced to do it, there's actually no fun in that, right? The fun in having a slave is in realizing or teaching the slave that you care so much about him that you want him to reciprocate that, and but you want him to do it with his heart. And so slave heart comes from, to me, him actually wanting to do that. With the slave boy that I had, 
Um, he had a very low self-image. He thought he was ugly. There were just so many things, you know. But over the course of time, I just slowly kept working with him until he, you know, ultimately changed our total relationship. Could you give an example of how you did that with with a single um, kind of thing? Um, well, I remember one day he was here, sitting here in my office, and I, I asked him, I'd gotten his glasses, and his glasses were crooked on his face, and he said it's because he had a wonky ear. <laughs> so I said, what do you mean you have a wonky ear? And he said, well, one's lower than the other. And I said, he said, I'm ugly. I said, oh, my God, I can't believe that you would say that. I said, you are a gorgeous human being. You're a very good-looking man. And so I made him go into the bathroom and write on his chest that on in, in the mirror, I am good-looking and worthy. I'm good-looking and worthy. And then I took the marker and I wrote it all over his back. And then I made him go down to the park where people could actually see him so that he could have the benefit of somebody commenting on whether or not they thought he was good-looking and worthy. You know, so I just uh, confidence builder, self-image, you know, the young man was not ugly. So, you know, I love that and you did that with with a sort of slave way as well. It wasn't you must say this several times. You actually was using his body, using the power dynamics to also make that happen. Well, it and just felt very right. Creative. I'm sorry, sir. It just felt right. You know, when, when I'd first spoken with him in England, uh, <clears throat> a slave has all these desires. They'll say with him, oh, I want you to mark me. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And you you get to see, if you take two guys naked standing in front of each other, one says, I love you, and the other one says, I think I do, and nobody gets a heart on or something, to me, there's something missing, right? Because there's that connection, right? I pierced his ears for him, and while I did it, I watched his cock get extremely hard. And I said, this is, you know, the man loves pain, and he feels it. And I had a QR code tattooed on his back, you know, that said property of Jim and Connor. And because I'd let my husband share with him, you know. But um, he ultimately came to realize that he was worth more than he wasn't just somebody's piece of meat he was my piece of meat you know i don't know if that's the proper way to say it but that's that's you know that's the way i felt uh, i think it's really powerful what you said like my experiences of masters the greatest experiences have been with masters that have i, I sort of sometimes say creative energy but they enable you you they make you better they make you proud all right you know whereas there are kind of some masses that they want to make you feel worthless and small. Right. You know? And then, of course, there's humiliation that has a play which can be between those two things. But what I found is when it's used the most effectively, humiliation is still empowering that slave self to become a fuller slave, not right. to destroy or, or make you feel bad. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think you have to uh, you have to first focus that person but you can't focus him if you don't know what his desire and his needs are. If you never talk to him about what, if I wanted you to be my slave and I don't ask you what you need, how am I supposed to proceed ahead? You know, and so one of the biggest things I learned is you can't go into this, you can't pull somebody off recon and say, oh, here I am, I'm a master, I want you to come and I'm going to tell you how it is. You have to find out what it is they're asking for and they need. You see if that fits, and and I understand that so much better now. You know, I actually branded his ass with a hot red brand, a slave brand, and I it was so I don't know. We, I had people hold him down, but at the same time, he wanted this. It's something that he'd wanted for years, and so when somebody showed up here at the park with a fire brand. I said to him, I said, look, here's your opportunity. Do you want this? And he said, oh, yes. And, uh, and I was so impressed with, I held him down with my foot while I applied that hot red brand to his ass. And that was like saying, I own you again, all over again. It was impressive. Now, I mean, that sounds like an amazing journey that you went on as well. Like when I yes. think you came across the slave's profile and, oh, 
what is this? <laughs> and then we go forward to you branding. It's, yes. it's quite an amazing transformation that you have been on. Yes. I remember the uh, the guys that were holding him down. Somebody reached underneath him and said, is your dick hard? And he said, no. And I said, but mine is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it's very empowering, but it's much more empowering when when the relationship or when the team is what it is, it's with, when there's that connection, you know? So, so um, over the course of the relationship, so you had three years, before we get onto the end of the relationship, what were some of the main stages or what were the, some of the main things that, that you kind of went on with um, the journey of both of you together? Well, I don't think it occurred to me till the very end what was transpiring, but I did understand that I wanted him to be with me as so I don't know how most masters do it. Uh, and then I've also come to understand that, that there, there is no set mold. We all do what we want to do. If I want to have a slave that I want as my companion, as my friend and all that, I just have to help him understand that and help him obtain that. And so that's what happened in this case. If I had a doctor's appointment, he would go with me. If I wanted to go shopping, he would go with me. Um, and ultimately, when my husband and I took vacations, in two or three cases, he went with us. So, and he didn't go with us as a servant, as a slave. Yes, he was still my sexual slave, but he went with us as more like a third. And so you could see the dynamics of the relationship of the master-slave relationship changing. I couldn't see it because I was inside it. And so I didn't realize until much later how I felt and everything. And it was happening the whole time. So, but um, we just went day to day. He, he helped us here in our business. He learned our business. I fully groomed him so that if anything happened with me, he could sit in my chair and take over and run this business. And so uh, it became just matter of fact that that's what was going to happen. You know? and, and was there also a change with you and your husband and the slave that that, that kind of shifted into that he was also the owner? Um, no, I, I, I had made the mistake. I, I will say it's a mistake now. I'd made the mistake at the very beginning when we brought the slave home to allow my husband to have sex with him. And at that point in time, I shared something with him that I shouldn't have given away. I just didn't realize it. And my husband was never really interested because the slave was not his type. He was interested in the dynamic, the game, the fun, but only on a limited basis. What what the slave did provide was an outlet for <clears throat> me to pursue the aggressiveness, the uh, bondage, the different electrical games, the different toys and stuff like that, uh, CBT, just almost everything that my husband didn't provide. My husband is considerably younger than I am, and so I'm very pragmatic, and I realize that his sexual needs will come to some point be far ahead of mine. And I'm also realistic in understanding that relationships transcend some things. So I believe it's important that we have a bit more of an open relationship and Connor gets to go and do his thing and play his games. And the slave provided me with an alternative means for my sexual desires and stuff. I could play with him and do the things I wanted him. Connor could go and do something else. And so, yeah, that uh, there was no problem with the ownership there. The slave was here to take care of our house, help us in our business, and be my sexual toy. And that's that's ultimately what he was. I think for him what transpired is he realized that in some cases with Connor, that's all he was. And so, and I think that he fell in love with Connor, wanted more with Connor, and that wasn't to be. Like he, he, he just wanted more love, you mean? No, no, I think he actually fell in love with Connor. Okay. I, I, I saw signs of when Connor did some act with somebody else or something like that, the slave got intensely jealous. Interesting. And so, yeah. And it's just something that my 
naivety or uh, newness at it, didn't foresee it, didn't see it happening, you know. And then I was caught up with my own games and what I wanted to do. So, you know, we're all three together, so it didn't really seem to matter at the time. I didn't look far enough down the road to understand exactly what that meant. So, you know. How 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 would you handle that differently now? So, within the benefit of hindsight, what what is your learning for this? Well, I would love to tell you that I will make sure that I pick a person that won't fall in love with my husband, that I pick a person that I won't fall in love with. But as you and I both know, we don't control life. Things will happen that are, are inevitable. There's the other thing about this, and that's something I don't know if we've talked about. When you lose somebody in life and you feel that loss, then you understand how much you loved them and cared. And so if you don't want that, then I don't think you really live in life. You know what I mean? If you don't really want to feel that depth of pain at loss, it makes me question how real you really are when you're jumping into it. Somebody says, I don't want to jump into the two feet, then I'm apprehensive and worried because if you're not willing to jump in with me you know and 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 that's that's part of what life is about it's gonna hurt it's gonna be fun all that but but if you don't feel that then you never lived it or loved it i know know exactly what you mean i i will often say i i don't i don't really live a life of regret because i've gone after everything there you go but I do have a life of disappointment and pain at times because the dream didn't come true or the sure. dream had to end. Yeah. But I I've, I learn from those, but I I've very rarely will I kind of be like, if only I'd done this, if only I'd mm. done that, because I actually did it. But, but that's right. You get to say, if only, because you did it. That pointed edge pain that you feel is because you were there and fully invested. You know, I would never give that up in a heartbeat. And, and, and you know, I know we'll get to that, but looking after the fact, I probably would have never let Connor have sex with him. Um, I don't know that I would do that today. Um, I if, if I'm going to have somebody in my house, I want them to be, uh, I, I really do want them to be as good as possible with my husband and all that because it's our house. So... But it's it's also very odd, you know, my slave used to sit at my legs and pet my legs all night long with my husband sitting right here and, you know, nothing else going on. And, and so you start to divide that up and say, wow, I wonder how Connor feels about me having this boy right here ready to suck my dick if I wanted to, you know. And you just get through those situations, you know. You just get through those and, you know, that's it. I don't think I've changed much of anything, to be honest with you. I would watch as as best I can, but hey, we're not here to control life. We're here to live it. Very much. So, if you don't mind talking about it, how did the relationship come to end, sir? Mm. Um, you know, we had a we had a ritual. I would get up in the morning, and my my slave was sleeping. I used to call him my fag, and some people don't like that term and everything. But for me, it was a term of endearment. Um, that's just what he was. He slept naked at the foot of my bed on his own little pallet and stuff. And the first thing in the morning, he'd open his mouth so I could take a piss. And I did that one morning. He said, no, I don't want to be a slave anymore. And I said, oh, okay. Well, what is this? You know, um, all those feelings rush through your mind so fast as what's just happened? Who's he been talking to? Is there somebody else? You know, all these things. Um, or is he the creature of your own education and design? And because I'd spent all this time teaching him that he was good looking, that he wasn't beneath anybody else, that he was equal to everybody else. Who am I to not understand why he didn't want to have piss that morning? <laughs> he had decided he was above being a slave and he wanted his own life, his own relationship, his own partner. Um, he wanted my husband, but that wasn't to be, and he didn't want me as bad as I wanted him. So we had a clusterfuck of emotions going on, and that was it. Um, we rambled around that until I would say October of last year. Um, 
and Connor and I went out of town for an event, and the slave ran away. Oh gosh! Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, he just you know that's and that's probably my one thing, and I understand it. I I don't understand it as much as I wish that he'd understand to have the balls to talk to me and sit down and say I have to do this, but. There were so many things involved that, that I can't talk about that are not understandable. And and I understand it. He left me a note and he said that he can't be here with a person that could never love him. And I said to myself, and you can't be here for a person that loves you beyond belief. So it was just a very sad situation that now I've had time to really think about not get over, but look at, because if the truth be known, I still love him today as much as I did the day he left. But I'm, I understand now that that will always be, right? Um, I'm happy that he's moved on because it means that he's grown. And I hope that he finds what he needs because he deserves it, you know? Um, and I'm glad for the pain that I had in my heart and everything because I, I was totally invested. So that's how it happened, and I was left to cry in my husband's arms about my loss, and luckily enough, I have a good enough husband that understood that, you know? It it, it sounds like you never really got um, a sense of closure. Nope, I haven't. No, he kept texting me and telling me he was going to come back and was going to do this and was going to do that, and... He was in a halfway house somewhere and, you know, none of these things that needed to happen. And all that time, I can tell you that I'm convinced that he's very much in love with me. But that he can't let himself be that or feel that because somehow he feels that he knows, well, he's no longer the slave. He feels that he knows what's best for him, even though I'm still convinced that I do. So, yeah, no closure, but moving on with it i mean there would be some masters that would kind of say why didn't you keep him locked up why didn't you you know create a situation where the slave cannot escape um i'm at the moment i'm not going to judge that i'm just going <laughs> to leave it as a kind of comment and yeah. ask you how how would you respond to that sort of question well I'm a very independent person, and I'm, I, I really tried to think about that. I, I alluded to that earlier about whoever wrote that article or that profile on recon about locking themselves in a cage and just be picked up. I have the ability within me to, if somebody called me from a warehouse and said, your slave box is here waiting, whatever you get in the box is what you purchased, I would be okay with that. I really would. I would be okay with it. I don't care. There's nothing about a human being to me that is, I don't care what color somebody is. I don't care what size dick they have. I don't care any about that stuff. I care about what's inside and what you can develop with somebody. So if somebody said, here's your box, you take it home, you get whatever it is, um, I would be okay with that. Would I lock it back up after I took it out of the cage? Yeah, I can't say that I would, even though I lost. I did go through quite a bit of stuff to make sure that he couldn't communicate with people that I didn't think he should be or wasn't in the wrong place or he wore chastity, you know, um, device. There was tons of money in my house, but he would have never stolen from me. That's the thing about him. He just outgrew that position. You know, so when I lock somebody up, boy, I don't think I've become the master yet that wants to have somebody locked 24 hours and only take them out when I want to play with them. Right? I want my slave to be somebody that can accompany me to the store, that can go to the store for me if I want them to, that can, you know, think for the self uh, about the stuff that I educate them and teach them to me. And that's what I taught him. Um, I'm sure there are boys out there that want to be mindless, but to be honest with you, Phil, I haven't come across one yet. I've come across a lot of guys that say that they want something like that, but I haven't come across any that's really true, you know. 
and I, I don't I don't fancy myself as a master that wants to beat somebody down into submission. You know, it's much more thrilling, uh, exciting to have you want to get on your knees in front of me. That's the excitement of it, to have you want to do that, to have you want to kiss my feet, whatever. That's that's the thrilling part. You can put anybody in a cage, but you just have a bird in a cage, you know. So, and no, I don't think I would lock him up. I think the gameplay and stuff like that might change. I would do different stuff there, but I'm in a unique environment, right? I have a place... That somebody can be 24 hours and nobody would know they're here and all that stuff. So I have the advantage of being able to do that. Um, I just don't think that's what, the way I would want to see somebody live their life. And a true master to me is somebody that cares about his property as much as he cares about what he wants. So I probably wouldn't lock him up, no. Thank you for sharing that. Is it strange, like, my my view is, is especially if, you know, as you've spoken about, both sides are growing and developing. A lot of this happens through the experience of serving and mastery. And that means the relationship can go in very different directions. And sometimes that does lead to a split. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like no one's caused that to happen. It's just where it's dead where sometimes it leads somewhere different. Yeah. You know, and so to try and fight against the relationship changing and adapting means to keep the relationship, you know, very static, but then mm -hmm. the relationship becomes very brittle and it will break in another way at some point because real life will always get in the way. But I remember, you know, taking him on the one of the last vacations with us and after he'd gotten up and said, I don't want to be a slave anymore, and I said, well, we could be boyfriends. I'll have a husband and a boyfriend. And, and he seemed accepting of that idea on the outside and stuff like that and everything. But as the, the next couple of weeks transpired and stuff, and then Connor, too, you know, Connor's like, wait a minute. So you're going to now take the slave, and he's going to sleep with us, and he's going to be part of this and part of that. And I said, well, we've done all that anyway. And he said, yeah, but not on a level that's, He's the same. So I had to walk my way between my husband and the slave. And, and while Connor would tell me what he wanted, the slave never really did. You know, he fought me tooth and nail about love to have sex with me, love to have sex with me and my husband, even after all this stuff transpired. He loved all of that. But when it came right down to it, he snuck out in the middle of the night and left, you know. So thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, um, sure. I, I, I really appreciate it. So, so moving on from from that, what are your biggest learnings for for in the future that you'd like to share, sir? <laughs> wow. Um, well, I will. I, I will. I will put this plug in for you. Um, when I first started this whole thing, uh, when I first learned everything that I learned after that, I thought. Where did I screw up? What did I do wrong? You know, did I suck his dick and I shouldn't have? Um, did I give him too much? Did I take him on vacations and I shouldn't have done all that? It was not really any of that. It, it is exactly like you just said. Life is going to take us each wherever it's supposed to be and wherever you're going to be in the end. So you try to be happy and have that fun and do that. Um, I have, I have, as you know, started my search again. But when I first came to talk to you more about this stuff and everything, I agree and I feel deeply that a course, that training, that education is important. And I think that now for several reasons. I think about so many situations between me and my slave that we haven't discussed that could have turned out different, that could have been more dangerous. And there's no need for that. I think there's a need for people to understand um, not specifically that being a master is cast into some type of stone or role, and the same for a slave, but that those roles can be changing and fit whatever um, whatever is comfortable for both of you. And I think one of the things that I've started doing is I tell the guys that I've talked to first and foremost that I will be transparent, that I will never lie to them, and that I will always be honest. 
and I expect them to respond and tell me that the first thing. Because if you can't do that, if you can't be honest with somebody, what are you even talking to them about? You know, I don't want to talk to another young guy or another guy even from England if I find out later there's never a chance of him emigrating or coming here because he has all this other stuff going on. I mean, yeah, I'd love to meet you, maybe even have sex with you, but you're wasting my life and my time. I ultimately want to find a person who wants to be my sex slave, a companion at the times I want a companion, a friend when I want a friend, a person to talk to when I want to talk, you know. But I ultimately also want them to understand that their life is important to me as well. And I think that finding that out is an important thing. I think that your course goes a long way to educate people that it isn't just master-slave. It isn't just I'm going to beat you or cage you or do whatever I want to do to you. It's that there are these types of people, and you have to learn to fit what you need, but you have to be vocal. You have to talk. You have to try to understand and be vocal about what you want, right? You know, so it's it's just if you don't want to get on your knees and kiss somebody's feet, then you honestly probably aren't a sub, you know. But, um, yeah, I think that that's uh, – I think the most important thing is, is there is no fixed mold. You know, and get every bit of education again. Don't be the master that says, "Well, I'm a master, so I obviously know everything." Because I know plenty of people who think they're masters that know nothing. You know, um, and I think that uh, I think that a real master is somebody that considers his slaves' feelings and needs. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned. I would be very vocal about them and tell him that. Thank you. So um, you kind of spoken about this a bit just now, but I just want to ask the question explicitly. Mm-hmm. What makes a good master for you, sir? Yeah, I, I think that while I would like to say that I put myself first, I think sexually I do. If I want to get off, I want, I want my slave to, to do that for me, to help me with that or um, whatever I desire. So I want to make sure that the slave understands that I'm first in his life. If you say to me that I'm the first thing in your life and you get up in the morning and say, oh, I would have called you, but I had to go get my breakfast, then I'm just not first in your life. You can't call me and respond or check in with me before you go get your breakfast. I'm going to question whether or not your veracity is or your truth is really there, you know, what you need. So I think what makes a good master is somebody that's, unlike I did in my first case, tries to pay attention to see what's going on, tries to anticipate what may happen. Um, one that's always willing to learn, good God, if you're not learning until the day you die, you, you just need to give it up now because, you know, I've met 70, 80-year-old guys that say I'm still learning and I'm thinking I know and that's the incredible thing about life. So I think you have to be open-minded. I think you have to be considerate of his needs as well as your own. I think that you need to agree to be uh, communicative, to be honest and transparent. And I think that the minute something changes and arises, you each need to tell each other. You know, the minute you feel something different, anything, if it's something you don't like doing in sex, you know, then keep a safe word and all that stuff. But um, I tend to always ask somebody what their hard limits are and then respond to them, and I will never go past someone's hard limits. I think they're hard limits for a reason. If you have a master that says to you, I'm going to push your limits, and I'm going to push you past your hard limits, he's not really a master. He's just getting what he wants, right? That's not a true master. A true master understands he has limitations, and those are given to him by his slave. And he has to fix that relationship to make sure that he stays in control of that. So. I think a true master or a real good master is somebody that considers his slaves' feelings and needs as much as his own. Thank you. And then what is a good slave for you, sir? Somebody that has a slave heart. Somebody that knows. um, You know, I'm talking to a guy right now, and his his fetish is in feet. You can tell that because everything he, he wants is about feet. I want to be at your feet. I want to do this. I want to do that. I, I certainly 
would not continue talking to him if I didn't understand that that's a big part of his fetish, but that he has what he calls or what he feels is his calling, you know. And when somebody says to me, it's my calling, I've always known this, oh, it's like I had a twin and I lost him and never knew it, and this is what I need, you know, when somebody converses with you and, and puts forth that they feel that they have that heart, you know, that they need to be in service, that they would have no problem getting on their knees, saying a mantra to extol every virtue you have every minute of the day or every morning. God, that's somebody I'm looking for, you know, because I think he's going to be a good slave. If he's willing to learn, if he doesn't say to you, oh, I've been a slave before and I know all about it, you know, because that's not possible, is it? Not going to be in every situation where he knows exactly what his master wants, you know. So I think a good slave is equally the same. Uh, probably a good slave would put his needs, his master's needs before his own, but he has to realize that he has needs. He cannot allow the master's needs to, to be all about his and not about the slaves. You know, if he doesn't have underwear and he wants nice underwear, if he, you know, needs cleaning supplies and wants to be hygienically clean and needs that, if he wants this or wants that. Surely somebody should see as a human, you know, that does, it doesn't matter if he wants to eat out of a dog dish, feed him out of a fucking dog dish. But if he likes Crest toothpaste, give him Crest toothpaste. That's not a big thing to get through to, you know. If you're the kind of master that says, I'm just going to give you what I want you to have so that you're on the edge of not being happy, what are you teaching? Right? <clears throat> Thank you. Very powerful. And then my final question, what would you like to see more of in the master-slave community, sir? Well, I have a friend that's a, he doesn't say he's a slave. He says he's a houseboy in uh, the northern part of Texas, or United States. And I uh, recently talked to him, and he said he went to slay a slave course. And I said, so you've been a houseboy for five or six years? And he suggested, so what could you possibly learn? And he said, how to please my sir, you know? And I said, so you still think? He said, oh, my God, yes, there's so much I learned in this little course. He said, and I would have never admitted, um, I would never admit that. So maybe more slave courses, certainly, uh, I would be remiss if I did not say that the masterslavelifestyle.com has had a profound effect on my life. Seriously. The uh, young man, a young man from England, told me about your site, and I went and looked at your site, and I listened a little bit, and I said, my gosh, this is how I feel. And I said to him, why did you send me to that site? And he said, because that's how you talk. That's how you come across. It's just exactly like you've been listening to this. And so I, I would hope that a lot of people get more, see more podcasts, get more information, because it makes the whole community better. Not that we're all the same, but it makes the whole community better if we can share and uplift everybody. You know, it doesn't have to be, yeah, I have no problem with having a puppy on a leash. I love that. I have no problem shoving a tail up his ass to watch him wag it, you know, but to each his own. Um, and I have no problem with Treating them the one way the way they want to be treated, but I want to make sure that's the way they want to be treated. I don't want to see oppressive people just step in and say I'm a master because I say I am, and I'm going to kick you in the balls, and if you don't like it, you'll get over it. Because that's not what it is. No, that's not what our community. I used to not think it was our community, but it is. It's not what our community is about, right? It's humiliation, degradation if you choose it and want it. And there's a place for that. But, you know, it's educating each other first and, and learning more. I, I'm profoundly thankful that somebody like you came along and has taught me what I've learned, seriously. I'm not just saying that because I'm on your podcast. I'm saying this is a true fact. You know? So you. there's a lot to be had, you know. So the person that comes along and says, well, I'm a master. What can I learn from Slave Phil? Not a fucking thing if that's your attitude. But if you listen, if you pay attention, there's a wealth of information to become a better master. That's that's what I can say. Well, thank you for saying that. I'm very humbled. Yeah, thank sure you. Though.
So would you like to give the link for your um, business, sir? Yeah, for anybody that wants to come and check us out, it's grizzlypines.com. That's it, just www.grizzlypines.com. We are here every weekend. Um, we are probably one of the premier gay campsites in Texas. We're all male, gay, clothing optional. Um, it's just a great time to be had. I'm looking forward to you, Phil, coming. We just had a couple of gentlemen from Australia, and uh, they've had a wonderful time, wonderful weekend. So we'll get people from all over. But um, And we share. We share everything. We share. We don't, I'm not just talking about sharing our guys. <laughs> so we, share, we, share, we share knowledge, uh, uh, networking, and learning, and meeting people, and there's just a wealth of information and fun. So, yeah, come and check us out, grizzlypines.com. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Well, sir, thank you so much for sharing what you have done. I think this will be so valuable for other people. And I really appreciate how open you've been. Thank you, sir. All right. If you'd like to be interviewed by me or know someone who would, you can get in touch with me at the email contact at masterslavelifestyle.com. You can now support the podcast, website, and Master Slave community through Patreon membership, receive benefits such as early access to the podcast, exclusive video workshops, and more, along with my thanks for supporting me. There is now a free download to help you take the next steps in the Master Slave lifestyle, suitable for both beginners and those who want a full-time relationship. Check out the show notes for more information on both. And if you're interested in finding out more on the 24-7 Total Power Exchange lifestyle, go to the website at masterslavelifestyle.com for more information. Thank you all for listening.